Hi everyone, this is Luna from Shared Experience. Tales from the Tavern is a weekly roundtable discussion between members of the Shared Experience staff, community, and special guests. We talk about TTRPGs, pop culture, and all things nerdy. We're glad to have you along for the conversation this week, and if you're ever interested in joining us live, you can catch our broadcast on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv forward slash shared underscore experience. Now, grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and relax with this week's Tales from the Tavern. Good evening, everybody. We are back with this week's episode of Tales from the Tavern. I'm so excited to have you all here. Um, we, I, I just saw Nick saying, I love this intro. I love this intro, too. <laughs> I'm such a big fan of it. Um, and it's funny. It always cracks me up when it gets to the part when it's like scrolling through the list of names uh, about the guests and everything. Because one of the guests, guests that's listed in there is... Yeet a brick something or other and that was the nickname of a character that i played in another stream which always cracks me up so anyway um yeet a brick that's, that's the name <laughs> yeah her name yeet. was her name was eat a bricks and she was known for parkour so she had um basically gotten the nickname <laughs> yeet a bricks because she yeeted herself everywhere so anyway <laughs> um yes yeah, so we are back uh i have a great group of guests with us uh today and um so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna have everybody go around and introduce themselves and tell us a little about who they are and and where you can find them online so um we're actually gonna start with chowder <laughs> uh hello yeah uh my name is Timul chowdhury or chowder um a lot of people know me by my nickname uh you can find me on twitter at Timel Chodery. Uh I also am a part of Dice Populi, a real play D&D podcast, and I am also a part of the Common Geeking Program, which is this book club for geek culture. I also run their Twitter account, at Geeking Program, and yeah, you know, I, I like cartoons, I like video games, and I exist. <laughs> You're a real person. <laughs> he just fades away. <laughs> it was it was very funny when I when I reached out to Chowder about coming on. Chowder was like, "I've never done a stream like this before," and I'm like, "It's okay. A lot of people coming on haven't, so <laughs> we promise not to be too scary." <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and joining us tonight. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, and no, next, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. And next we have Hal, who is coming to us from Shard Tabletop. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here. I'm Hal Howard. Uh, let's see. Um, software geek, I guess, is the easiest uh, explanation. I spent, you know, 30 years of my life doing commercial software. Uh, this is the second startup. Uh, this one's a lot more fun than the last one. The last one was business <laughs> software. Boring stuff. Uh, they, uh, but, you know. We managed to sell it and make a little money, so uh, now we can afford to do the fun stuff, which is uh, what Shard Tabletop's all about. It's basically me and my best friend who's been playing together since 1982, uh, you know, high school sort of time frame. Uh, (laughs) You know, we're both ex-Microsoft execs, and, uh, you know, we decided to put some of our spare time into doing a new tabletop uh, that I think you'll find is a little easier to use and a little more friendly than most of the ones out there. And uh, so we're, uh, it's in Bennett an open beta since last may we're doing a kickstarter live right now and happy to be here 
Yes, I'm excited to have you here. I was telling Hal beforehand. Um, I've gotten to use Shard. I know a couple other people, both here and in chat, have gotten to use it before. And the general consensus is that it's amazing. Um, so we can definitely talk about that a little bit more. Um, if you guys have questions about it too, this is a great time to start throwing those into chat. Um, and next we're gonna go over to Ryan. Hey, uh, I'm Ryan Mossbarger. It's great to be here again. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm a cast member on the Dice Populi podcast. I also run all the social media and stuff for them. Uh, I've been playing tabletop RPGs, probably rock solid for like the past five, six years. Super into them, trying to trying to get even more into them. Uh, and yeah, if you want to find me, you can find me on my uh, Twitter, uh, Ryan underscore M-O-S-S-B, or on the at Dice Populi uh, Twitter. And just super excited to be back. I It's, it's always fun coming on here. Um, yeah, I know. I'm super excited to, uh, to have you. So I'm, I, I love having you on. Um, oh, thank you. Nick, let's go to you next. Oh, hey. Because I saw you uh, taking hi. a sip of something, so it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick. Uh, I, uh, was introduced to the TTRPG community uh, when our podcast, Know Your Role, um, started up uh, just a little bit over a year ago. I play Relic um, on the uh, on the Warforged Cleric of the party. Uh, know Your Role, for anyone who hasn't seen, we are on a uh, long-term hiatus for the foreseeable future, but uh, all 30 episodes are still available for streaming. Uh, you can find those on our uh, Twitter, which... Uh, Wolf's Blood was kind enough to link in chat. Uh, additionally, um, I am actually going to be starting up my own Twitch channel, uh, hopefully in the next month. Uh, I can't share a lot of details, not because I'm being secretive, but because I haven't figured everything out just yet. Uh, but the goal will be to uh, run a TTRPG uh variety streaming show um, that will focus more on running one shots with players, uh, different people from throughout the community as opposed to a long uh, continuous campaign. So um, something I'm really excited about and uh, I will share more details once I know more. Awesome. Well, that is very exciting and I'm looking forward to uh, to finding out more details. Yeah. Um, and Anna. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Anna, also known as Sanctum Cosplays. Uh, you can unfortunately find just a limited amount of cosplays since everything is shut down right now uh, uh, through my Twitter or my Instagram, which is linked through my Twitter. I am also a TTRPG player, both on Nerd League Gaming and Dice Tyrants. We just finished up possibly one of my favorite, if not my favorite ever campaign on Dice Tyrants. 24 episodes. Don't ask me how many times I cried. We don't need to talk about it. Uh, so I'm currently in between some streams right now. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Last time I was here, I didn't get to have a conversation with Luna because Luna had some family things. So I'm really excited to get to be with here with you now. Not that, you know, Yogg's wasn't a great host. Yes, but. yeah, no, he's a good guy, but no, I uh, I felt really bad that night. I was like, I was really looking forward to all these people, and then, yeah, family stuff came up, and I wasn't able to make it, so um, we had a, a great friend of the stream uh, pop in and host that night, so... I am uh, I am glad that you are able to be here. I'm glad it worked out that uh, our schedules lined up again, so thanks yeah. so much. All right. 
Um, so just a reminder for chat, um, if you're new here or, uh, or anything, we take all of our questions from chat. So feel free to drop any questions that you have for any and all of our guests right into chat. We'll have a moderator get them to us so we can make sure that we answer them. Um, also, if you missed last week, then you may have missed the fact that we now have a channel point redemption called, um, what is it called? It's called like ask my question next. Um, so for a thousand channel points, you can have your question bumped up to the top of the queue so we can, uh, get to your question immediately after the, whatever it is that we're talking about. So, um, so feel free to use that. There's three redemptions for that per stream. Um, we, we did put a limit on it just because we never know how long any conversation is going to go on at any point. So, um, so take a look for that if you are interested. Um, so let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to start out with the question that we were actually talking about right beforehand, because you could tell right away that it automatically divided everybody. So for the record, <laughs> do your dice have to match? <laughs> Emphatically. Yes. Like there's no I'm, way. I'm a, I'm a, no, man. I'm going to say no, not really. Just, <laughs> uh. Just have they a have bunch of match. they just have a bunch of mismatched dice. It's it's fine because it's like you know adds character. The cat the house like you got one kind of uh, dice that has this kind of vibe and another kind of dice that has this kind of vibe and it's fine, man. It's fine. <laughs> you gotta buy I... a set for each character. Yes, I also agree with what Ryan was saying earlier that the only time it's acceptable is if it's a power move and you're like, look how many dice I have to roll. Then they can you know not match because it's just a sheer power move at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't expect someone to have 14 matching D6s for their level 8 fireballs. Don't fact check me on that. I don't think I got those numbers right. I'm trying to think how many D6s I have that match. Someone Google it. (laughs) But like, the thing is, I have this comically large D6. It doesn't really match with anything, but it's fun. I want it. I like it. Yeah, see, that's different, I think, if you have, like, the big, you know, like, a large, you know, like, Nick was showing off his dire D20 earlier. Like, those don't have to match with anything, but. (laughs) All of mine match, and not only do they match, they all get stored in, like, their own separate, like, none of them are mix at all, ever. (laughs) Oh, what? Bad juju, man. Bad juju. (laughs) I, have, okay, well, I do have match ahead. sets for my character for when I DM. I've got like a big bag of like lots of stuff for a DM, right? For when, for when I when I'm running a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I my, just every, uh, keep. Wife... Every, I just keep. Oh, sorry, you go. Oh no! Oh, go ahead, Chowder. Yeah. No, I just keep everything in this like old watch box. <laughs> yeah. Because no, I I've the got, watch I've, was fancy. I've got way too many dice in my drawer, but I was saying my wife just outed me in chat by saying that I have a massive set of matching D6 for my fireball, which I do, but I don't expect everyone to have one of those. (laughs) And that's only because I was at the gaming store and it just happened to be like a whole little box of D6s that were all fireball colored. Oh, well, yeah, then you have to have those. Yeah, Yeah, I had to. Mm -hmm. It's like a law or something. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, I am a very big fan, though, of buying dice to fit the character, though. That's, that's, it's actually one of the most important parts of building a D&D character for me. <laughs> uh, 
If, I mean, if it's like a one-shot, I'll usually pick from my existing dice, or else I would have way too many. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to like get into that mindset. I have... New campaign, new set of dice. Yeah. For yeah. me, it's... Um, although I'm super traumatized that this year it may not happen, um, I get a new set at PAX East every year. So... Mm-hmm. I was lucky I was able to get in just under the wire in 2020. It was literally like the last con that happened before the universe shut down. And because it was like the last weekend of February going right into March. And like two days later, they were like, oh, there was a big outbreak of COVID-19 in Boston. But it was like at the other end of the city. So um, thankfully it wasn't where I was. But yeah, so I'm like, I hope I can get some more dice at PAX East because... Yeah, that would be sad. But it's gotta get your bubble suit. Yeah, I know. I have. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. they literally all live right here. Um, these are all my d sixes, and then I have one set in here. I have another set in here, and then showing off the arcane spectacle yeah, here. Here, and mm-hmm. then in this dice bag, I have like another five sets because the dice bag has pockets in it. Mm-hmm. It has pockets. It does have pockets. I'll show it off as soon as I get it open. Um, I found this person on Etsy. Uh, no, I didn't. I found her on Twitter. I take that back. But it has pockets on the inside. Yep. So yep, each set cool. has its own I pocket. Yep. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, no, Luna, I feel you there. <laughs> I went to... Pockets. That's that's my DM <laughs> dice bag, and I actually have different dice types in each pocket. Yes. Right? So there I, you go. I got that same bag. There yeah. Six siders in one pocket, eight siders in another, that sort of stuff. Yep. Like, seems like you're using it to separate your sets. So Mine separates my different, sets, different except... Well, yeah, sort of. Although I do have a few... Um, I've played the um, Dragon Age TTRPG system before, and I have two sets of dice for that, which are just three... Each set is three mixed, uh, three D6s, two that match, and one that's different, because you need a different one for that game. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luna, Hillary has the same setup as you. I'm I'm going in and stealing her dice for this, but she <laughs> has one and it's got like a star comp constellations on the inside. Oh, that's pretty. It's coming through because it's a little blurry, but yeah, she does the same thing. Keeps, I think she keeps all of her numbered dice in different pockets. Yeah, sorry, Hillary. <laughs> it's just Busted. It's right here. <laughs> I mean, you put me out about my fireballs, so. <laughs> And here's a giant uh, D20 she has that when it lands on a crit, it actually flashes red. Oh, I have one of those! Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, wow. A little while back, there was something that was traveling across uh, tabletop RPG Twitter. There was D20s that would light up and do specific things for each number. Oh, that's it was, cool. It, got, it blew up. It got like a million likes and then never saw it again. I wonder if that's ever really happening. It Because it looked so cool. I'm sure they would have been like $100 each. Yeah. But, so cool it would also i think in all the unnecessary internet of things uh it would then bluetooth to your phone the roll number (laughs) so so i guess if i guess if you're using uh so i guess if you're using some kind of program it would then roll it to like i guess they were hoping for like roll 20 integration and like other tabletop stuff so if you rolled it on physically it would pang onto the screen but that would be uh, cool i could get some of those That would be very cool. All right. 
Well, I'm seeing some questions coming in now from chat. The first one, uh, of course, coming from David Tilstra. And his question is, what uh, is one of your most memorable crit successes or crit failures? You're going to make me remember specific roles? <laughs> I always remember the ones where I, I roll, roll a critical, right? But then the damage dice come up all ones. I remember, right? Like, the ones that were magnificent where the dice came out great, don't ever remember those. But when the dice all come up ones after you roll a critical, I'm like, I could have done more damage on a regular hit. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I I do have a, a f- fun little crit fail story. Uh, so I was playing as uh, this uh, warlock, Archfey warlock, and you know he had mask of many faces, so he could uh, disguise himself. And uh, I was doing reconnaissance in this dungeon, and uh, my and like what I did was like I disguised myself as like a zombie version of myself to like trick all the other like zombies and skeletons around uh, I was in a room full of them the, or I was in like this crypt and like all the zombies started coming out and like I was trying to uh, trying to like just sort of walk my way out nonchalantly crit fail that one and uh, it's just like Everyone looks towards me, and I'm in the middle of the room, and I'm sticking out like a thorn to the thumb, and it's like, fuck. Yeah, that's it's like a scene out of The Walking Dead or something where they they're trying to like blend in, and somebody coughs or sneezes or something, and they all like turn and look at the same time. <laughs> Honestly, uh, it's more like that scene from Emperor's New Groove, you know, where like. <laughs> Where like Cusco's like ha, and then all the panther just looks, yeah, look panther that just look at him. <laughs> yeah, I like that comparison better actually. Um, I think one of <laughs> my most memorable crit successes was actually uh, it was it was it was a crit success and a crit failure, and uh, I rolled the crit failure and my player rolled the crit success, and it was uh, Joe who's actually the DM of Know Your Role uh, in our home game and he was, without getting into the specifics doing a wildly reckless charge on the big bad evil of our campaign and I was like, alright there's no way this is going to work, Joe Like he's way more powerful than you, but sure, go ahead and not only, and so Joe rolled like a nat 20 and I was like okay, alright, well wait a second, let's let's see, Let me. and I came up with some I don't remember what the mechanic was at the time but I'm like, I'm going to roll to see if he can react and I rolled and got a natural 1 and I just had to respect the dice and understand that it was meant to be. And he ended up, uh, he didn't kill him, but he tackled him out of like a third floor window. Uh, and he, he's an Asimar. So then he like burst wings forth. And the two of them had like a Dragon Ball Z style fight in the sky. And it was such a cool moment. It required me to rewrite the whole rest of the arc of the campaign. Oh no. And her, and he was he, I remember him telling me I'm really sorry man and I was like no man that was just an example where like I trusted the dice and I, I you know some DMs might fudge the rolls and been like oh hey sorry man he dodged out of the way but I just I ran with it and it, it completely changed the direction of that campaign so that was one of the most memorable ones for me 
I'm struggling to remember any time I've ever rolled a dice ever at this point, so... (laughs) I I have one story. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one that's coming to mind right now. So we were playing Pathfinder with a a friend. It was like a home game. And it was like a big, sprawling campaign, and we had just come upon like a, a small town that we could do some trading in, and I... You know, in Pathfinder, it's all about getting the right gear at the right time and making sure your item progression's right. So I was like, I need... I was a I was a Magus. I was like, I need a Mithril buckler. <laughs> I need, need a Mithril buckler, and I need a Mithril chain shirt. Because otherwise, I'm going to get my ass handed to me in like a level and a half. So uh, we go to this town, and I'm searching long and hard. And I think the, the GM at the time, he was trying to go for like a pretty low-level magic setting. So he was kind of like trying to get in the way... I remember rolling pretty high to find somebody. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, I talk to these people and I look at the stuff and it's way, like, in the, I think on Pathfinder in the book, it's supposed to be like 200 gold or something like that, or like max 1,000 gold. He had it for like 5,000 gold. Did not have that much money. So I started to walk away and he's like, hey, feel your pocket. And I was like, oh, what's wrong with my pocket? He's like, they stole all your money when you had your back turned. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Um, and I make it back. I went out on my own. I make it back to my friends, and then I'm like, "We gotta go. Some bad people are here. They just hurt, they just hurt some people, and we gotta get them." I roll pretty good on the persuasion check, and he's like, "Well, you don't know where they are." And I was like, "I have. Uh, I took one of the things where you can get like a bird, like a bird companion, a familiar." I was like, "My bird's got plus fifteen to perception. Hopefully, that's enough." And he's like, "Okay, yeah." And I was like, "I rolled it natural 20. and he's like. Just it's write some stuff on his notes. I think he was hoping it for it to be like a long term comeback, but immediately we followed these people out. I wasn't able to convince everybody in the party to come with me. And then we stopped them in the middle of the road, and then we had this huge battle where it was really lopsided, but we just barely eked out a win. I was able to get my money back, and then I found out the chain shirt was fake. Uh, (laughs) so it was like the biggest like right turn left turn right turn left turn oh we got it I got my money back and all this stuff none of the crap was magical like it was all just fakes to like bring in dummies like myself and steal their money Um, but no I remember that Nat 20 just because he's like whatever he starts writing down a couple of notes about something he's like all right, you find him they're like a mile out but you need a horse and a fast one and we were able to like organize stuff really quick but yeah I remember that one that was a good one Oh my gosh. I do want to update. Uh, my boyfriend is an almanac of everything five, uh, 5e, and it's 13d6 for a level 8 fireball, in case anyone was curious. Uh, I texted him when we had that conversation, and I just got a text back 13d6. So in case anyone wanted to know, you need 13d6. Um, oh, wait, I have 13. There you go. Are they all the same color, though? They are. I got one little extra one just that randomly got in a, in a, in a dice bag one time. My most memorable Nat 1, I don't necessarily know if I can count it, because the system I was playing is Aether and Steamworks, which allows you to re-roll natural failure. Well, allows you to re-roll any roll if you have an ace, or since it was a streamed game, the audience could also donate for it. Uh, But we, (laughs) we were in what was the beginning of the final battle, and my dumbass was like, I'm gonna crawl to the top of these rocks to see all the evil people probably running away, because we beat them up. So I stand on the top of the rocks, and I met with a firing squad. And I'm like, hmm, 
oopsie doopsie. Uh, <laughs> and the moment the firing squad goes to hit me, I hear a voice behind me, and it's the daughter of the BBEG, who's also just bad news. Uh, my party tries to, like, scramble, and they turn the stone that I'm standing on to sand, and I start falling, but I get a nat 1 to resist the attack from this person, and our DM just starts giggling. And I'm like, oh, this is where I die. Like, this is where, like, this isn't even the end of the season, like, this is where my character dies. And it was the worst nat 1, because our Game Master gives you the choice anytime you roll a crit fail or a crit success to do something that either affects you alone or affects the party. So, me trying to be the selfless person that my character was, I'm like, ah, it'll affect me. And he's like, cool, this is gonna do so much damage. And I'm like, hold on a second, <laughs> wait, <laughs> Ty, no. And luckily the audience donated to let me re-roll that crit fail, but that was... <laughs> Probably the scariest moment, like, I have a Fitbit on, and my heart rate was easily at, like, 185 during that entire <laughs> scene. And I was like, oops! <laughs> so that's probably my most memorable crit fail. Oh my gosh. Nice. Heart rate monitors during play, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Listen. Maybe Shard should incorporate, uh, Shard should incorporate a connection between, like, a heart rate monitor mm -hmm. Yep. And the virtual tabletop, so the DM can see what's going on with the players. Right next to the You can tell if your players are lying or not. You don't even have to roll insight. You'd be like, uh, I don't think I buy that, actually. My GM, who's in the chat, literally just a damn audience saving players, so we know how he felt about that reroll. <laughs> he did a uh, an Aether and Steamworks one-shot with us a few weeks ago here on this channel, and I got to play in it. And it, this was not a dice roll thing. This was another player thing. And my character had one of her arms was a mechanical arm, and... My one of the players was like, can I borrow your arm to do the thing? And I'm like, only if I'm going to get it back. Did she get her arm back? Oh, no, it got destroyed. <laughs> but uh, in the end, her arm ended up growing back. So that was cool, I guess. But such um, is life. Yeah, but it was just really, really. <laughs> it was just really funny. I, I told Mac and Chad, what the hell is the thing? <laughs> we had to escape from a... <laughs> Pimp slap. No! Uh, we had to escape from a space station and the, uh, the, the thing, the... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, the conduit, basically, to get from one place to another broke. And so they wanted to use my... Yeah, they wanted to use my arm as a grappling hook. It's <laughs> good use for a metallic arm. Yeah, I mean, it worked, but it was very, uh, very entertaining. Um, so speaking of Lot Even Star... Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ask it. I uh, want it. <laughs> I didn't say you had to answer it. Uh, his question is, have you ever had a character leave, move on, or die? And if so, how did that impact you? Just to clarify, meaning, did one did a character we play have to leave yes. or die, or did one of the players? Okay. Knowing Ty, that's exactly what he was asking. <laughs> um, 
But I guess, I mean, if it was another party member, I would say go ahead and answer that too. <laughs> I mean, knock on wood, I've never had a character die. Wow. So, been real lucky, been real lucky. And the only time one did, it kind of was supposed to happen in story and it ended up getting like put back together, but never, never died. I did, uh, as a DM, uh, I one time had a player that he was a little bit older than the rest of us, wasn't quite feeling the vibe, didn't. It was just a kind of introductory game to 5e, and he thought he might like it. His wife liked it, but he didn't. I did have to kill him off um, because he's like, yeah, I'm not interested in playing. You can do whatever with my character. You can give, you can just kill him. And I was like, do you have any preference for how? He's like, yeah, just do it like gruesome. Like, make it make it worth it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so they were, just, they were just about to save, like, this impending horde from, like, taking over this capital city. And they fight him off, but then they like they're, uh, they kind of rally the troops, but then they notice that one of their people is gone, and that's him. And then they're able to track him down, and then they see him like, I guess like take get basically taken out by the big bad uh, evil guy. And then they find him later in like a funeral pyre, like about to be burned. And then they have like their moment. But yeah, I mean, I, I tried to make it as like gruesome as possible, I suppose, to a certain extent. Uh, yeah. I mean, it happens. Some people just click with the game. Sometimes they don't click with the game. It just really depends. Hmm. Uh, I had a character who died in a one-shot. Uh, and uh, so, like, he was a ra- ranger, and, like, we were fighting a gelatinous cube, right? And uh, I-, I was, like, firing arrows at the thing, like, thinking, okay, I'm outside of its move. It's, it's speed. Like, the number of feet it can move. And, uh... I failed to account, take into account the dash action, because uh, the this cube doesn't need to attack you to do damage. It just needs to engulf you, basically. So the the thing moves and then moves again, and I get caught in the cube. I suffocate and then get dissolved in acid. And uh, yeah, well, then. yeah, that that was not a good day for Kirk Carrar. Eric Corker, a ranger with a great sense of fashion. <laughs> I never knew him, but I wish I did. <laughs> he sounds pretty great. Yeah. Um, I I think one of the most impactful character deaths. It, it wasn't my character, and that's why I'm I'm technically I'm cheating with this answer. But it was uh, a character played by uh, our friend Beans, who plays Jeff on Know Your Role. Uh, my wife Hillary and a couple other friends. It was a home game. Uh, he played um, a uh, a dragon a dragonborn uh, fighter named Juan Tinscale, and he was like very uh, very cocky and confident, and, like like had a ton of swagger. Uh, and we were in a fight that it was very clear we were not meant to win. You know when the DM throws that guy at you and you're like. Guys, like, did you say a twenty-three misses? Okay, we're getting the we're getting the hell out of here. Uh, and uh, the, that cockiness is ultimately what brought his character down because he wanted so desperately to be the last person to hit the boss before we left. And so our barbarian had hit him, and then had started to run. And we were like, "All right, beans, like, we're going, like, we're leaving." And he was like, mm, "I want to get one more hit in." which meant he couldn't take the disengage action for anyone not familiar with 5e, which meant even though he got the hit, when he ran away, the boss got an opportunity attack. And it was a crit. 
and it was uh, a boss that had some crazy feature, like a like reckless or or something that basically ended up tripling his damage. And our DM rolled so high, it was so high, uh, and ended up killing him in a single blow. And we all had to leave, and it was devastating. I think specifically because it came out of nowhere. Like we all assumed, like, hey, yeah, we're all gonna we're gonna get away. This is the DM just scaring us. Uh, we were all like laughing like two minutes before that like oh haha here we go and then it was just so sad because like it's it's a it was a little bit different than one where you're building up to that and you know like all right one of us is gonna die so that one kind of hit me and made me think in the future as a dm like not necessarily that i'm gonna do exactly that but you know finding ways to like make a character or a boss that's threatening uh especially when the players aren't taking it seriously uh it, it made that it made it hit a lot more. Mine is actually the exact opposite of your experience, Nick. My character was a class called Fate Broken, which its final move, if you choose to use it, self-destructs you. It's You get super powerful really fast, and then after that scene is done, you have five minutes and you disintegrate. So I knew from the very beginning when I made that character that she was going to die. But it did not hit me until it was being described as her, like, her entire body like locked up. She could not move. She could not get to her friends to say goodbye. She watched the one person who in her life like saved her when she was really young walk away into a different area without being able to call out for help and then just watched her slowly disintegrate. And it was gut-wrenching to sit there and be so close to all of my party members but unable to be with them to like be around the people who finally made her feel strong in a way and it hurt so much so even with like that knowledge of like ah okay i'm gonna build a character who's just gonna you know punch punch self-destruct it still just killed because i don't think i was taking it fully seriously where i'm just like ah it'll be fine and then it happened and i'm like but wait hold on no hold on <laughs> so yeah that's the stream that uh i cried for I think if you time it 45 minutes at the very end, I think, right around there. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, rough. Sorry. Hello? <laughs> I had a character. So I'm one of those oh. forever DMs, so I don't, I don't kill characters. that I, I don't uh, have enough characters that I've played to actually have one killed. I play mostly in one shot, so I don't think I've played a long campaign in a long time. Um, but, you know, a few years ago when my kids were both teenagers, I remember, you know, my daughter sacrificing her then character and basically you know it was devastating for everybody until after the session she looks up and says yeah i was just done playing a cleric i want to move on to something else and it's like you'd be like what <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's like devastated the character dies like including me right and all, all, all this sort of stuff and then you know she's like oh no i was just done it's time, time, time to move on to a different character. <laughs> yeah. I've had a couple of characters oh, die. So. Uh, one, I didn't so much feel it, like, because I was really attached to the character. It was more so because I was furious at the DM. Um, this was, like, way before streaming. Like, I don't even think, like, pre-Twitch stuff was even a thing at that point. And, um, my now ex-husband was the DM and I was playing a centaur ranger and 
we were in like, I don't know, some crypt somewhere. And we walk into a room and there's a sarcophagus in there. Well, my character was strong, but not exactly smart. And so I'm like, well, I'm the only one strong enough here to open this sarcophagus. So I open the sarcophagus and out pops a vampire who casts Slay Living and boom, I'm dead. And I almost flipped the table. I was so mad. <laughs> um, so that was just more like being super irritated with the, with the situation. Um, and then I had a character, one that actually like I felt... Um, I had a character that I was playing on a stream, but her leaving the stream um, and leaving the group wasn't done on camera. It was done behind the scenes in an RP chat that we had together. And basically through the whole stream, she had always felt like, I'm not part of this group. I shouldn't be here. I'm not right for this. And so ultimately what ended up happening was they were out, uh, some, there had been a big fight. One of the characters lost their weapon. And, uh, this was a, it was a mishmash of two systems. It was a world of darkness slash savage worlds campaign. And, um, so there was like guns and things like that. And so somebody's gun had gotten broken in the course of the fight. It jammed or whatever. I can't remember now. And so my character was a werewolf and, didn't really need a gun. She just had one because there were times that she wasn't walking around with giant claws. And so she basically left. And when she left, she left her Glock on the bedside table of one of the other people and left a note and just said, um, hope this will tie you over until you can get a new one and just grabbed her bag and left. And it was awful. I was in tears when I wrote it. I was in tears. I, I was, I had to leave the stream because of my own like personal scheduling issues, but it was devastating for me to have to give that up and to have to leave. And it was, it was very tough. Um, and I was in the middle of sort of a friendship that was collapsing. And so there was a lot of sort of stuff that I had to work through along with it. So it was really, really hard. <laughs> That's intense. Mm. It was. Um, let's, does anybody else have any other ones that they want to share? Or should, am I good to move on to the next question? That's good. All right. I don't want to talk yeah, about it good. anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh, so the next question actually comes from Hillary. Uh, Hillary would like to know, um, which of your characters has taught you the most about yourself? Also, if you had to pick a class for your pet or those that have them, what would it be and why? <laughs> Bear, what would you be? Bear, come here. <laughs> no, okay, he doesn't want to talk. Hey, <laughs> sounds like a barbarian totem of the bear to me. He's, okay. That's true. Though the cliche is that barbarians are dumb, I think he's too dumb. <laughs> I love him to death, but Lord, is he dumb! <laughs> I yeah, I, I think Hillary and I have tried to figure out what our dog Milo would be, and I, I don't know if I can pin down what he is. He's because some days yeah, he's like I'll a, be, rogue. Uh, right back. Yeah, I'll be okay. uh, right back real quick. Just okay. Gotta... Uh, yeah, because some days he's like a rogue. 
He's like really sneaky and gets into stuff. And then other days he's like a very relaxed, wise old wizard that just sleeps on the couch. So maybe he's a multi-class. Maybe he's multi- yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My boyfriend just texted me barbarian. So that's his vote for what <laughs> our dog is. I don't have an animal. But honestly, if I had my choosing, I'd want something like a cleric or a paladin. Because if I go down, I want the animal to bring you know be able to bring me back up, I think would be the most important <laughs> thing for you a companion. Yeah, I want a support character. You gotta have a good support character. I'm obviously the main. Yeah. Come on. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're your, your pet yeah. bard or a cleric. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. How about you, Hal? Do you have any pets? No. Same here, no pets. Uh, rabbits running around the yard, but I'm pretty sure they're commoners. I don't think they have an adventuring class. Bobcat that wanders to it through occasionally is definitely a rogue, because when he gets sneak attack on them, they're done. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think for the, for the first part of Hillary's question, um, characters I've learned the most from I think it was uh, that taught us something I'm trying to find where the question was but uh, I think the character that I've played that kind of taught me the most uh, about myself is probably um, my character it was actually in the campaign that I, I just referenced where Beans's character died uh, and he's uh, an old gnome wizard named Felix uh, for anyone who watches Paradise RPG he's kind of similar to Wizwick um but uh, the thing that was interesting about playing this character is I wrote him with uh, this backstory that he had a daughter. Uh, and at the time, I did not have a child. And I didn't even, like, Hillary and I weren't planning on having a child. Um, and we played that campaign for so long that I played Felix long enough to go from, like, you know, me, this guy who just put, a char- put like, a character having a daughter in as, like, a point of the backstory towards... We played that campaign literally right up until we had our now almost year old daughter and it like having to it changed the way that i rp'd as him to the point that like in like one of the scenes that i felt myself getting much more emotional playing like felix talking about his daughter because i nick was like thinking in the future about having a daughter and so uh it was just it was one of those uh experiences that i don't think i would have put i would have been in that headspace you know months in advance if not for like being put into a scenario where like without getting into the details of the story, like my daughter's like life was in, was in trouble and it just, so I don't know if I necessarily taught me something about myself is just like allowed me to like uh, experience that thought process in a way I probably wouldn't have otherwise. That's deep. Yeah, I hope that wasn't too heavy. I mean, it's a good thing. In the end, it no, was a it's, good thing. <laughs> it's totally true. Actually, um, it reminds me... It reminds me of something. Um, I was at PAX East one year, and I was sitting in a panel, and one of the panelists had talked about they had recently played the game Heavy Rain, and then they went back and played it again after they became a parent, and just how completely different their playthrough was emotionally because of not being a parent versus being a parent so I think I think it's totally not inaccurate that it would have changed the way that you RP your character 
So completely unrelated, but I can't help but like think of that like uh, YouTube video showing like a glitch where like dude yells out Sean and just keeps yelling Sean. I, I know what you're talking about. Him. It's from yeah. yeah, from from Heavy Rain. Yeah, it, or yeah. it's literally just like ten minutes of the the video game character he can't stop screaming the name Sean. Yeah, Sean. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know why my brain does this. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It's all good. I think I I'm kind of in the same boat with Nick, where I don't necessarily think I've had a character that taught me something, but I've had a character, like, help me get through something that has happened. Mm. I don't know how familiar any of you guys are with the Powered by the Apocalypse game Monster Hearts, um, but I was in a Monster Hearts stream where I played the Mortal, uh, which is... If you ever play the game, do not choose the mortal unless you are willing to deal with some very deep shit. Like, the whole point of the mortal's abilities is to make excuses for people who either physically or emotionally hurt them, and you get more power from that. So I spent... Yeah, it's... Listen, the game is really dark. It's super fun, but you have to be in the right group of people. Otherwise, it could go downhill super, super fast. Uh, but I played a mortal against my game master's, like, four-time warning of, like, hey, I know the shit you've dealt with. Maybe you shouldn't. And I'm like, nah, it'll be fine. I'm with a friend. <laughs> Should have listened. Um, but my... The mortal character, I was... The whole also point of the mortal is you have, like, a love interest that you get a lot of power from, like, working in dynamic. This love interest just so happened to be the player who is playing the queen, whose entire job is to manipulate people and be a dick. So I purposely put myself in the position to be manipulated and just... It was a very hard time, but I think through it, it actually helped me grow a lot from hard relationships I had before that. I would never do it again, like, at all. But I definitely think playing that character helped facilitate, in a way. So there you go, Nick. Now you don't have to worry about being the only one who brought some dark. I got you. <laughs> Thank <Thanks>. Dork. <laughs> dark. <laughs> I wow. feel like a lot of us... I, I shouldn't say a lot of us. I feel like, inevitably, there's always somebody in every game that has something that's like, I'm working through this thing, and this game is gonna help me get through it. <laughs> you know, it that's just seems so to many... be that way. It's why so many characters have daddy issues in their backstory. We're all working through it. We're all working through something, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. On that note, I, I do want to say, like, I, I, I know we've, we've probably talked about it on Tales in the past, but I always encourage people, if you've always had characters with tragic backstories, just just try making a character who had a perfectly lovely life. And they're just they're just going out on adventures for fun as a hobby because it, it changes it like it's it's very uplifting to not have to think about like oh the the bandit captain that killed everyone in my village he's gonna come back you know like to just play a character who's like yeah I'm I just I'm having a great time with my friends and uh, you know after this I'm gonna go back home and see the wife I mean I I think it can it can be a very different experience than this like stereotypical everyone is like an orphan or edgelord yeah yeah (laughs) i've taken that advice so we're uh we uh home campaign uh, my friend of mine has started up it we're just uh, gonna do we're gonna do some curse of strahd it's gonna be eberron themed uh everybody is like picking the most 
edge lordy characters possible, like very deep drama, like da 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 da. And mine is like this happy go lucky uh, drow that's only like eighty six years old, so oh. maybe maybe like fourteen or fifteen. So just kind of plucking along, having fun, doing whatever they want to do. And I'm just waiting for like the arcane gestalt horror to start happening. <laughs> She's just kind of like plucking along. <laughs> uh. I do have I, I have a character named uh, Grizz that I play in Pathfinder, and uh, he's basically like this uh, cavalier who uh, you know was raised that way and like just uh, is doesn't really have any kind of trauma to him. He's just like a big dumb idiot who goes on adventures and like helps people out even when they don't want his help. Uh, and he's like a very Don Quixote-esque <laughs> character, and, and he is, and like the reason for his creation was like my friend was like running this campaign that we'd all be in like an adventures guild. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make a character who's like very orientated towards adventure, and so I have this dude who's good at like fighting, who's good at like dungeoneering, but is stupider than the horse he rides. <laughs> Wait, didn't we play a very brief Starfinder campaign where Grizz made an appearance in the future? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that that's the that's the exact same character. I mean, it, the idea of like this guy who was an idiot by like the standards of the medieval times being in space, the future was hilarious. And I wish that thing lasted a little longer because, like, you know, one of the ideas I had for him was that like his lifetime of skill as a cavalier for no good reason translated really well into piloting <laughs> cars motorcycles starships uh alien creatures if it can be written he can ride it and there's just not a good explanation why uh chowder you would have liked you would have liked a magic item that relic got on know your role uh they were the matte black boots and hat that allowed me to mount any creature uh, if it, if they failed a wisdom save and treat them as a mount for ten minutes. Technically, it said a mount, uh, mount any any mountable creature. But I was like, I mean, what isn't mountable? And I I mounted. Uh, Pat Tolmac is in chat. He animated this or drew this. Uh, I jumped on a giant like naga snake woman <laughs> uh, and did a full on Old Town Road reference, and it was. <laughs> It was absolutely no, that's awesome. epic. Yeah, Tolomac. Oh I'll, I'll try. I'll try to link it in chat in a bit if if Tolomac doesn't do it himself. But yeah, I think I think Chowder, your your Cavalier would have appreciated that. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I had a character similar to like the happy go lucky. I did a one shot. Um, one of the Carefall Irregulars with Lawful Great Adventures, and my character was just like this, you know, same kind of thing, like this super happy-go-lucky, like, street magician who, you know, like, really her goal was to, like, you know, if she saw a kid crying in the street, she'd do, like, some illusion so that they would be like, ooh, you know, like, and stop crying or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, we were in the middle of, like, this giant 
so I was in the campaign where if you listen to any of them, throughout most of them, they had this glass skiff. I was in the episode where we actually got the glass skiff. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so you may remember, Ryan, uh, when we were racing through the woods and we're trying to figure out how are we going to keep tabs on them, my character is like, well, I'm just going to light it up so we can see it and it's really bright and so he's like okay how do you do that so basically i just kind of like i kind of frame it like this and i just go whoop and it turns bright pink and he's like so basically your magic is photoshop and i'm like yes (laughs) what is illusion but photoshop for reality yeah so it was i mean like that was how she solved stuff was like she's like i'm gonna turn it pink like why not (laughs) you said that was you guys got the glass skiff though yes Yes. Yep. Ryan and I but did that I, episode together. I based my character, that drought, kind of on on your note from playing in Carefout Regulars. Like, I liked, I love that character so much <laughs> that I wanted to emulate it in some Aww, way. It was perfect. I feel so special now. Yeah. <laughs> she was super sweet. I would not exactly. not be sad to bring her back at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I need to get back. I want to bring back my character. I had so much fun yeah, <laughs> on that oh Carefaller regulars. Those thing. were so so great. If Look, you don't, uh, someday I want to play Starfinder again. Bring yeah. back Chris. Yeah, no. <laughs> Carefall was a lot of fun. It's funny that you guys mentioned the skiff because uh, the character I played in Carefall was like a seven and a half foot tall fallen angel named Justice. I definitely to listened sit, to that episode had to not sit too long in ago. The front, yeah, had to sit in the front seat of the skiff and I described like his knees being up to his chest and like holding <laughs> his sword and trying just desperately to fit. Yeah. Because he described it as being very sleek. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't sound like, this sounds like a sports car and I'm playing like a guy that's bigger than the rock so i don't know how this is gonna work yeah he's like it's like a bugatti but (laughs) crystal (laughs) yeah that was it was really fun um yeah if you don't listen to the whole thing if you just go back and listen to the episodes that are labeled as carefall irregulars like that alone are just super fun and it's a totally separate entity from their it's set like a thousand years before their main Mm storyline so using a different system using quest which got me into quest that's a great Uh, system I love it. It's so yep. fun. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying quests so far. Like, like I'm doing a campaign with Ryan, DMing it, and yeah, no, a lot of cool stuff about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we're doing a Patreon only campaign using nice. quests, so it's it's a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, Hal, you said you've been playing since the '80s. Do you have a? Is there yeah. a character over that time, over the uh, since then, that like one specific character that you felt you learned the most from? Wow. Um, so, I mean, everybody remembers their first character that they played, right? So I, I was, you know, when we were kids, you know, when I started playing in 1980, I was, I was the DM for most of the time. But, you know, in the campaigns where we did, where I did get to play, I played, uh, you know, at the time, all elves were sort of fighter magic users, basically, right? So they, they, they all had split paths, or at least most of them did. I can't remember which rule set it introduced it, introduced it in, but uh, this character was, was, um, his eventual name was Glorfindel of the Nine Lives because he died so many times over, <laughs> over, over the years and kept getting resurrected, right? That's uh, awesome. and, and kind of stuff because he was, you know, for for a character that should have been, uh, you know, relatively conservative, you know, think long lived elf. He was just always up front charging, like, you know, drop kick a door, do whatever, you know, and that's freeing as a player, right? To just not care, right, and and, and go forward, right? Not be that cautious. 
and uh, 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 and that sort of stuff. So that was that was a lot of fun way back. And then the one I just played a session with yesterday, uh, you know, one shot uh, that I play a lot of one shots in is a barbarian. Right, his name is Onkindi Ko. He wields an axe in each hand. He's a you know big tattooed barbarian dude, right? And uh, and uh, you know he's he, he, I think his stats say he's, he's of average intelligence, but like I basically play him dumb as a rock, right? Uh, he, his life is real simple. He just likes to hit things with his axe, right? And uh, and you know that that basically means you know his that it's freeing in a way to play that way where you don't like. You don't have to think too much about what your character's going to do, right? It's just like their reaction to most things is, can I hit it with an axe or can I spend it, right? You know, in terms of it's loot or it's something that's an opponent, right? So those those kinds of things, but yeah. So, you know, it's it, for me, it's like I never take the character that seriously. I don't, you know, I don't build characters with deep, dark backstories and, you know, all the all the craziness. I'm When I get the opportunity to play, play the game, I play the game for fun, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, for me, it's, you know, pick a character concept that's going to be fun based on the setting you're in. What you know, and they vary right in terms of what they're doing. But like, it's always about having fun. So, for me, you know, maybe I don't take it seriously enough. Maybe I should be have a deep dark story around the characters, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm actually quite the opposite. I overthink my characters' backstories, like the relationships, and like I'm. I like writing. Yeah, I like writing. I, I like, and, 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 you know, and, and sort of we discover it as we go, right? You know, I probably don't set before the first session, put a lot of thought into it, but we'll discover the character as we go. But yeah. you know, the point of playing the character is it's it's a game, right? It's supposed to be fun, right? So it's like you know, it's a, find some quirk that you can latch onto and make it fun, right? For yourself, whether it's you know, whatever it is, right? And so that for me, that's the that's the trick. And it people play different ways so it's like you know it's a it's it's fun right i've had players at the table that are very serious about what they're doing right but for me it's like i play for fun right all right well this actually that's probably a great place to pause and take a break so we can um let our guests get up and stretch and refill drinks and all of that good stuff so um so we're going to take a quick break um we'll be back in like five to seven minutes or so and uh, we'll hope you stick around we've already got a couple of questions to start with after the break so we will get to those if we haven't answered your question yet we will start in with those and uh, we'll see you in just a few minutes all right we are back from our break hope everybody had a good little break right now uh let's see Let's dive right back into some questions. So we got a question from uh, Tolmac, and I have a feeling we are going to run the gamut on this one. Um, the question is, what experience do you think you missed in previous versions of D&D? Oh, I, so what I feel I miss, or what I missed from previous versions of D&D, and uh, I, I got in to 5e and so like all these previous versions are like these things from the past that uh, I don't have that much experience with but like uh, I, I feel like I missed like the opportunity to have that like a uh, very hard uh, character crunching kind of uh, uh, gameplay style where it's like every last hit or every hit could be your last uh, 
and like kind of living on the skin of your teeth because like 5e is great but it's also like very easy to survive in that game and uh and uh i don't know it'd be it'd be nice to like have the fear of death in my in me for a bit <laughs> i can not know that better um as I've as I've mentioned before, uh, I am, as you can see from the wall behind me, a bit of a collector of older edition material. <laughs> what? Uh, no. Yeah, so I got basically all of Eberron stuff. I got a decent chunk. I got all of the advanced Dungeons and Dragons book, more or less. Uh, there's just some wild stuff in previous editions. I don't love been able to play like Eberron in 3.5. I'm sure there's still games around that I can get onto but my schedule's so whack but there's so much like cool weird stuff in earlier editions i remember uh there's a barbar i think it's a barbarian I, it's either the capstone or it's an ability you get just before capstone uh where you can just summon like 50 barbarians onto the field as an ability and i i think that would be the best way to destroy a gm's plan where they have like this kind of they have this big moment, you're surrounded, outgunned, and all of a sudden the barbarian starts to, like, yodel, and then, like, 50 to 100 other barbarians start surging around the countryside and, like, overtake. <laughs> okay, wait, I have to I have to ask. So, you're saying outgunned. Are you outmanned, outnumbered, and outplanned? <laughs> oh, well, I would say everything but the last one, because the barbarian always seems to have a, always seems to have 50 to 100 other barbarians on lock on speed dial, so. <laughs> um. I had to throw the reference. I, every time I hear somebody say outgunned, I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I think so. I, uh, yeah. I think... I think the one of the the two things two things that I miss each from two different editions uh, three five uh, of Dungeons and Dragons I miss prestige classes which I think were actually what might have been around in third they were kind of a cool like late game uh, way to like um, advance your class they're like they're like the uh, subclass but one level more advanced than that um, because they had a lot more specific requirements things you actually had to do in the story in some cases to become those subclasses like it's not just like oh get enough xp it's like it might be discover an ancestral weapon or defeat a you know fire elemental things like that um, yeah. and then from 4th edition I do miss minions I, I do miss having waves <laughs> of enemies with 1 HP uh, and I sometimes still use them, not 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 frequently, but like when I really want my players to feel like the badasses that they should be, uh, especially as they level up. Um, I think it can be really fun to just put like twenty minis on the table or on your virtual tabletop. Uh, um, cough, cough, shard, um, <laughs> uh, and just see like your characters like really feel powerful by being able to go and, and and swing through them. So I'd say those are the two things that I probably miss. Sure. So the the prestige class, I know at least one publisher that's built those into Five E, right? That, that that there's a set of classes you can multi-class to after you have a certain number of levels in the core class, right? So if yeah. you have you have, you know, 10 levels in Paladin, you can become, you know, Knight of the Order of whatever, right? That's a prestige class that has 10 levels in it, you know? And uh, and same same there. I know at least one publisher that's done that. And Minions is, hey, that's a Game Master's prerogative. Like you said, you can, you can decide that you're going to put things on and have, you know, damage from a single strike apply to multiple targets and all that sort of thing. Those are, those yeah. are 
There's nothing in 5e mechanics that says you can't, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about previous versions of D&D. I played a little bit of like 2E when I was really young with my dad and his friends and that was me just throwing a die and being like six and they're like cool you don't do anything and I'm like cool. Um, (laughs) So what I really uh, think I've missed out on is a lot of math uh, and I'm okay with that. So (laughs) I mean we could pull you into a Pathfinder first edition campaign and you would not feel like you're missing anything. I don't, I don't like math, uh, so we're just going to not. <laughs> <laughs> I started playing D&D in 3.5, so I got a little bit of everything, I think, um, in that regard. So I missed out on Thacko. Um, I don't think I'm sad about that, but I yeah. don't really know because I never actually used it. Um, I heard a lot about it, though. Um like you, Anna, I, I, my daughter used to play when I played 3.5 because I started playing, like, when she was a newborn. And she would basically do the same thing. Like, she would come to the table when it was time for a fight, and she would roll her die, and her miniature was a, a little ceramic bunny that came out of the Red Rose tea box. And um, she would roll her d20, and she would, whatever it was, and she'd move her little bunny around the map and then she would go back off and do her thing so yep (laughs) um but yeah i i haven't i played i played a lot of 5e when it first came out and then i got into playing pathfinder and so i my 5e usage has dropped remarkably over the last two years so i don't really know what i'm missing anymore (laughs) Well, you're, you know, 5e isn't a problem with the game mechanics. It's a problem with the sameness of the materials you're looking at from the, depending on which publishers you're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. If you pick up some of the third-party publishers, there's lots of great material out there, yeah, right, that is completely flavored differently than the so-called official Wizards material, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, yeah. there's lots of great 5e material out there, so. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the... <laughs> the most kind of on point uh, memes I've seen recently about D&D is it's a picture of the realm of, you know, Faerun that, that all of the 5e D&D takes place in. And it's this teeny little circle around the sword coast. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, and then everything else, it says the forgotten realms because no one, there's no adventure <laughs> first set. I mean, I love, I've got a bunch of the adventures here next to me. Oh. I love, I love me some official settings, but there are, there's so many other, places and it's it's wild how much everyone has focused on this one area with like two capital maybe three capital cities and you never go anywhere else um it's i have i have some of the older material where they actually have like the forgotten realms guide um and they have like the huge map and there's so it's so big and they used to fill all that stuff with so much stuff Oh, oh yeah, gosh. that's what I'm talking about. This is the, the one. This is so old. The cover, I, the cover is ripped off. But this is the Forgotten Realms Atlas, and it's just filled yeah. with map after map just after map. So many maps, and then they had all other settings taking place in Forgotten Realms. So they had Carator. I mean, problematic settings to be fair, but like sure. Carator, Alcadim, uh, and then and like more and more. And now they're just like, ah, no, we're just going to focus on like Baldur's Gate, Waterdeep. Like that, just general vicinity, yeah. and that's frustrating. I think a little bit. You could have an entire campaign set in Baldur's Gate and never leave the yeah. city. Yeah. I've been running a game in Waterdeep for two and a half years. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not criticizing anyone who does that, but there are times like I do, I'm waiting for an adventure to be set somewhere that's not within walking distance of one of those three cities. <laughs> uh, give me a Kalimshan adventure, like down in the desert. Uh, that would be so cool. I dig it. The only thing that they really have right now is they have uh, Cholt, uh, Tomb of Annihilation. That's about it, but that's yeah. it's a very small piece. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, I mean, to pitch to pitch Shard for you, Hal, if you're not going to, I mean, that's why, that is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about all of the third-party folks that you guys are bringing with the Kickstarter, is yep. there are, are a lot of really unique places that fit right into any 5e game. You don't have to go yep. and catch up on a, on books and books and books um, but they're in really varied settings and they add lots of new even variants to the rules which is I was just going to ask I'm about that actually because I know yeah. I know Shard's using a lot of um, third party material so I was going to ask about you know how that fits in with the official campaign stuff no so I mean it, it, so official it, it, <laughs> it's right you know there's Obviously, uh, you know, a publisher that owns the Dungeons & Dragons brand, right? But 5e is an open open uh, game license set, right, that anybody can publish for, right? And there's some quite good publishers that have published a lot of material for it, right? I mean, Colwell Press, who's our, you know, one of our largest partners uh, in, in the space, has incredible settings, right, for Midgard and Margrave and all the different regions of their world and, uh, and settings and so forth. And they have, you know, very, you know, uh, interesting sort of feel to them, right? Sort of Central European mythology, uh, you know, uh, kind of thing, right? And then, uh, you know, we, Peterson Games does an entire Cthulhu, you know, setup, uh, Lovecraft setup, using 5e mechanics, right? It's, it's, you know, it, they added things like, you know, uh, dread and insanity and uh, mechanics for that stuff directly to the 5e system, and it's really well done, right? And you know, they have formula casting. And, you know, kinds of things you would expect in that setting and, uh, and that sort of stuff. And so they have, you know, four complete campaigns written for their sets of rules, right? So they will bring them all over to over Shard. Um, Troll Lords, you know, has stuff that has a much more old school feeling to it, right? Rather than a single campaign, it's a series of modules that are kind of loosely linked together. The game master can figure out how to, how to put them together, but a very rich world setting that they're set in, right? And, uh, and that sort of stuff that has literally you know 400 pages of lore like if you miss the old forgotten realms atlas pick up the, the codex of aired right uh, and and read through what the history of that world is because you know steven chenault's a fantastic writer and uh, you know troll lord games has done a, a fantastic job with that setting so and there's lots of smaller publishers that have great stuff i mean realm warp is doing the whole following camelot which i know people are playing that campaign i don't know nick if you ever played a session that came over playing over on the uo server yeah i right yeah, yeah, it's it's fun, right? And, uh, and I don't know. And Let's not play that. It's a silly campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, Hal, I have a very important question. Will sure. will your setting have tunnels and troll support? Oh. <laughs> I have this box set. I've had this box set for a couple of months now. Very hard <laughs> to take the rules <laughs> on roll twenty. <laughs> This is now the Don't second time he has showed this yeah. box set on this stream, let me tell you. <laughs> Don't know anything about the, the rules, but we, you know, we, we uh, you know, uh, uh, have thought about, like, because, you know, obviously anybody that's not officially licensed by Wizards can't use the D&D &D brand, 
having you know a brand of sorts that's uh, that, that related to our stuff and if the other publishers decide to do it we might right so you know that that you know because 5e you know fifth edition role playing is kind of doesn't exactly roll off the, the tongue right so they you know a, a different brand might might come along and the reason that your your assertion made me think of it is one of the candidates was tombs and trolls uh, <laughs> maybe maybe a ripoff of the ripoff i see interesting <laughs> I didn't know the other ripoff existed, so. <laughs> yeah, didn't you find that at like a yard sale or something? <laughs> I found it at a, at a half price books, um, and I couldn't say no to it. I picked it up. Uh, they taped it, which uh, I hate, but it's just it's like it even has the dice in it. Where am I going to find like thirty year old dice? <laughs> like, come on! It's got like handwritten notes, probably by some like ten year old kid. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Would buy again, ten out of ten. There you go, perfect. So, out of curiosity, uh, and I don't know what you guys think. Do you did does it sort of get? Are you sort of getting the vibe that wizards might be moving away from like the setting and trying to make? D&D a more like a system as opposed to a lore or a I'm trying to think of how how better to say it basically like like Savage Worlds for example you can pick it up and drop it into any setting and use it that way does it from what I'm hearing right now it kind of sounds like that's almost what Wizards is trying to do with 5th edition is they're trying to make it so that you can just pick it up and use the rule set in any setting does that seem like what they're trying to do or am i a little off base on that uh, i mean that's been in true first edition right i mean the reality is the rules the mechanics of the game are independent of the setting right and so forth there were lots of settings in first edition yeah right Uh, and most everybody built their own so you know the reality is is even in even in fifth edition right wizards official official published books that got ravnica and eberron and wildmont and you know all the all these sort of different settings um although Admittedly, each one has one book. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So, you know, they haven't kind of followed up on any of those things to actually give you more material about it. And and at least for a couple of them, uh, they've managed to make it, because they did them with third parties, make it so that the guild can't even do, you know, new material for those settings. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's really, you know, so, yeah. And then, of course, you know, other publishers have tons of settings that, you know, for the same game mechanics, right? If you know 5th edition mechanics, you're going to love... You know, Cthulhu, right? If you love that that sort of setting, you're gonna love it. Yeah. So. Right. Um. Well, Brianna uh, had a question. Um. Going back to friendships in D and D, what's an unlikely friendship you have made through TTRPGs? I will take this moment to plug my lovely boyfriend uh we actually met and started dating through ttrpgs online uh i put a call out through dice tyrants and i was like hey i'm running a 10 candles game online streamed i need players anyone in and i get this message from a person a bunch of different people and he happens to be one of them uh so our first ever experience together was me running a 10 candles game and killing his character's husband in his arms and apparently that was the moment he realized he had a crush on me which i think is weird and slightly concerning uh but that's kind of how robbie works so um uh, that's probably the best friendship i've gotten out of ttrpgs is that 
random happenstance encounter at the beginning of quarantine where I was like, I want to run 10 candles. Who wants to join me? And it just so happened I uh, found him. Very nice. <laughs> Laughing so at I chat think, right now. I think I've made a lot of really cool friends through Twitter and through like the uh, the podcasting world. But I think on a personal level, so I went to a friend's wedding about a year and a half ago. Uh, and I and I met up with a friend that like we we always like whenever we hang out we have a great time and then his name is Tony we would we would hang out we'd have a great time we'd always tell each other we would like hey you know let's hang out the next time blah blah, blah. we'll do something next week and then we never did <laughs> and at this wedding we were talking about something and I was talking about my podcast and he's like yeah I don't know about Dungeons and Dragons and then somebody else came I was like oh Dungeons and Dragons I've been playing that and he's like oh really it's it's good like should I do it and he's and like we kind of convinced him and now I'm talking to him almost every day about like D stuff we play like every week and like because of that he he brought some friends into it like some some real frat guys it was hilarious like i did not think they would like the game at all but they love the game and they're probably some of the best role players i've ever played with and i never would have thought it a bunch of like dude bros from a frat and they're just like so into it and they're all got their own games popping off now and some of them have taken up DMing and now that friend group is even like I've expanded into that friend group even more so it's been like a good way to connect with people especially now with like COVID it's it's like the one Zoom call I look forward to in a week is whenever like I get to hang out with some of my friends and I think I think you can't even put a price tag on some of that uh, some of that uh, friendship yeah yeah. Now I um I'm I've made a lot. Well, mine's oh, Nick. Out. <laughs> Mine and you, Nick, right? Because you know, it, it, you know, we you know, without what we were doing around Shard, you know, you and I never would have met, right? And, yeah. that, that, and that sort of stuff. And you know, Jess and the whole crew over there and everything else, right? So it's like, yeah, I mean, the two of us hang out now and talk about you know how to how to grow the community and do, <laughs> do strange things and play the occasional one shot together and stuff. So yeah, that's, yeah. Absolutely. No, it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to get at, you know, this idea of like making connections, especially during COVID has been so important, I think. And and I have made friends with people. Uh, I mean, you know, Luna, I, I've been, this is like my third or fourth tales. Uh, you know, a lot of the other folks that I've met through, through Twitter, uh, I, I, I had to explain it to my, my mom recently. I was talking about my friend and I, I, I I was like, okay, mom, when, when I say like David, I'm talking about my friend David. And she's like, the guy that you met through through your D&D game. And I was like, well, we didn't play D&D. And I have to like walk it through like, no, 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 he's from another <laughs> podcast. And she's like, okay, so he listened to your podcast or you listened. And, and it's this whole thing. And like now, you know, uh, uh, the, the very first person that I reached out to on Twitter before I created the Know Your Role Twitter account on my old, my old personal account, I reached out to Shannon of Paradise. And I was just like, hey, uh, I've been seeing your name like pop up a lot or, you know, on my, my feed. And I just want to say, like, it's awesome how much like positivity and enthusiasm you bring. And I basically asked her for like advice for someone who wanted to start a Twitter account, like focused on the TTRPG community. And like now a year and some change later, like Shannon sent us like a birth or a Christmas present for our daughter for like to wear uh, like a really cute onesie that has a DM on it and it's or a, a giant dice that says future dungeon master. And it's so surreal to think that like in t- at the very end of 2019, I was sending a message to her as a stranger, just asking for advice about like, what's a great way to like make my way into the community. So, um, I mean, I could, I could sit here for another hour and talk about like all the other people that I've become friends with through this. So it's, it's been, um, 
It's been really, really great. I would have to say pretty much anybody that's come on Tales. Um, I talk with a lot of you guys regularly <laughs> um, via Twitter or otherwise. Um, I'm in a giant group chat with Nick's wife, Hillary, and Shannon, and Caitlin from Arcane Spectacles, and Mandamanda, and oh my gosh, who else? Like there, uh, Star Shinobi, and there's a whole bunch of us that are all, like, we met because of, of playing TTRPGs and being part of the TTRPG community, and um, now it's, you know, like, it's literally like, these are the ladies that... You know, yes, I have my in-person best friend that's, like, my, you know, she's my rock. But, like, these are, like, the other ladies that I go to when I'm, like, oh, my God, I need advice and I need help or I just need to vent or, you know, or, like, hey, we all have, you know, we've got great news or we want to share this thing. And, and it's just really, it's really, you know, kind of, to use your word, Nick, surreal to think that, you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, these were people that were just names on Twitter and now, like we're sending each other Christmas cards and, you know, things like that. It's, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. So. Yeah. Does anyone have, I feel like Sanctum, it was kind of hard to follow that up. I mean, you met your, <laughs> your, your boyfriend. Uh, I guess, does anyone have any other ones of people they met before? Uh before the pandemic because i know that's where so many of us like have met since covid hmm. like how you said you and darren go way back right were you yeah. were you all friends through D or or yeah high school basically like we you know first you know sophomore year of high school or whatever like you know uh uh we uh started hanging out together and play, you know we both played D D, so that was kind of the one of the initial connection things right and uh and then we just started hanging out together and we've been sort of best friends since 82 so like that you know gives you an idea of how how, how you know how those connections go right yeah. so i mean basically we you know we spent you know entire weekends in high school together like you know playing from you know pretty much friday when we got out of school till you know 2 a.m monday morning you know ready to go back sort of thing right you know uh you know that that, that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah. playing uh Playing, uh, you know, D and D or uh, or programming were basically our full time hobbies during during <laughs> high school. So, yeah. So, and now both, right? You know, we're back to it. Programming, D and D, all these years later. So, absolutely. See, the thing, yeah. See, the thing is, I usually just play with people I already know, people I'm already friends with. So, D and D, there's not really anyone I've become friends with through D&D but D&D is like a way I've like been able to keep in touch with some friends because you know what with adulting and being in uh, different cities and uh, having different schedules having a moment to just get together and play a game is a way we connect and stay in touch mm-hmm. and that's why I've been kind of mostly quiet for this question I got nothing to add <laughs> give well, you met all of us today because your connection to the TPTRG. So there you go. go. <laughs> exactly. And and actually, I've made a lot of friends through the uh, Dice Populi uh, server, so uh, yeah. Discord server. So you know, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was gonna say Dice yeah. Populi's Discord is always busy. Like, there's always people in there. 
It's pretty cool. As a community manager, it's a lot of work. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, yeah, Ryan, I am... Um... I've been working with Hal uh, over on the Shard Discord, and I'm very excited to see them grow. But I'm also like, as the list every day, as more people join, I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to need some more moderators. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I mean, once you start pushing into the hundreds, it's, yeah, it's tough. I can't imagine how people with like thousands on their servers. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. There's a, there's a couple of servers that I'm on that I don't, I don't follow too closely, but there is a like indie podcast one that has like a ton, hundreds of people on there. And I'm on an Eberron one that has like a couple of thousand, and it's just impossible to track stuff. Yeah. Like you kind of just have to pick your moment to like put something I, in it or respond, I'm on that and Eberron it just gets buried. I know. Okay. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> my best friend and I, like my in-person best friend and I, actually met not totally through TTRPGs. We actually met through a Facebook group uh, fan page for the Dragon Age game, the original Dragon Age game. And it was one of those things where, you know, just a bunch of people were in there, like, commenting on a post about weather or something very innocuous. And she happened to be like, oh, we're in the middle of this huge snowstorm. And I was like, no way, me too. I'm in New Hampshire. And she's like, I'm in New Hampshire, too. And we found out that we only lived an hour apart. And so we just started chatting on Facebook. And then it became, uh, hey, have you ever played D&D? Well, you should come over to my house. (laughs) And then I invited her to join the table. And then... Um, a couple months later, her now husband actually joined our D&D game. They ended up meeting there. They got married. Now they have a kid and they live a mile and a half down the road. So. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, then I will jump to the next question um let's see i want to make sure i don't miss one no okay um so the next question we got actually is from rob uh how do you all prefer to run social encounters do you like to keep dice rolls to a minimum or have skill checks regularly depends on the group for me i mean some groups are really comfortable like you know running most of it as a as a you know role-played encounter Right. Uh, and that kind of stuff. Others are like, okay, what check do I need to make? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to persuade this person for this. Right. So it's, it's usually a mix, I guess, depending on what's going on. Some, it just depends on the group. Right. But uh, my preference is to actually keep them to a minimum. Right. To actually, you know, let the characters, re- you know, let the players in character reason through whatever's going on in those interactions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I try to keep the dice rolls to a minimum. Like, usually what I, do is like have the dice rolls happen for like uh, deciding moments or like moments that go one way or the other uh, but like if it's like I persuade the guard uh, or ro- roll the dice and then pret- and then role play uh, uh, what the dice says or just talk to the guard and if what you say is good go f- it's good <laughs> you know yeah, I think I agree. I like to keep it to a minimum. Keep it pretty fluid, unless I only I, I like to only keep it to die rolls when you're trying to actively influence somebody um, without having like a card to play. I just want to convince them to do this, that, or the third. You're not like you don't have anything like blackmail or anything like that. I like to if you're gonna like impose your personality, I want there to be some form of personality check. But yeah, I, I like to keep it to a minimum for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm just a tag on to the minimum train. Uh, yeah, I mean, to the extent that like, if your party is just going and like back and forth, I'm. I will usually not try to stop it uh, to to do a roll, with an exception for if a player decides to tell a really big lie, like a like a really impactful lie, or to try like w- when you get to a really big turning point, uh, and, and even then, if they've done a really good job of building the lie or of building to the persuasion i will i will absolutely cater that uh, factor that in like if you've done a stellar job and you roll i don't know a 14 i'm not gonna be oh hey sorry bud the dc was 15 (laughs) he doesn't believe you like i I kind of do my own little internal adjusting you know if if you just walk up to the guards and you're like uh the king sent me uh give me your weapons like Ah. like that's not (laughs) like a natural 20 isn't gonna isn't gonna work on that guy uh so yeah, I, I like to like build up to the conversation and wait for those like key critical moments, and then try to decide from there. Yeah, for sure. Next question. All right, um, Big Bees. What is the worst item one of your characters has ever received? That's <laughs> a thinker. I've received some bad items before um i've also made a bunch of bad items before (laughs) (laughs) and given them to players i mean i I will say that was i was gonna say i have one that was like simultaneously the best and the worst only because i didn't know what it did so when in my old 5e game I played a very dumb half-orc named Alona, I loved her to death and her whole thing is she was trying to live up to her mom's expectations and one of the party members got a like portrait of her mom because he could basically went into the afterworld, talked to her mom, saw what she looked like, got a painting done. Uh, except the DM had him get the painting done from someone who made, like, live portraits, so the painting's eyes would move, and then, like, when I would wake up, the painting would be in a different position. And I had no clue what was happening with that painting. So it was both simultaneously the best and the worst, because I was constantly paranoid I was going to wake up and have to find a painting version of my mother. Oh my god. (laughs) I was terrified. I'm thinking, uh, so not too long ago... I, one of the campaigns I run is an Out of the Abyss campaign, so they're all in the Underdark, and they're supposed to be like a... I like to add a lot of homebrew elements. I like to use the the stories as kind of like a baseline and then build up everything around it. So they were supposed to just kind of leisurely stroll into a certain part of the Underdark with like a bunch of fungus, but I wanted to make it like creepy, weird, and I, I wanted a MacGuffin of some kind because I wanted to take that MacGuffin away from them so they could be like angry about it. Um, so they found a sword... Like a, it was supposed to be like a legendary sword, just like this ran obviously evil, super evil sword. Um, there's a bunch of like dead people like trying to grasp at it, and like all of them are dying or dead uh, people surrounding it. And the the thing was that every time you it was like a D4, it was a sword, but every time you killed a monster, it would gain an additional D4 of damage. Uh, so and with no cap, because I was going to take it away from them like two sessions later, and they can't kill a million things in that time, but. When I eventually did take it away, 
it drove they wanted it so badly the party that it drove them to attack a demon lord and of course they were like level six so it did not last long um they basically were immediately raffle stomped into the ground all over a stupid sword that they weren't even really supposed to get i mean there's just gonna like attach to it but they weren't supposed to be like well time to die for this thing <laughs> so it, i would die for that sword so in a way, I, I would like to call that my worst item because it did lead to my... That was my first TPK, too, that I'd ever had. I'd killed off individual people before, but I'd never, like, killed the entire party. And, like, what are you going to do? You, you shot a fireball at a demon lord. They're not going to be, like, sing kumbaya and let you go. They're going to, like, murder you. <laughs> That's true. I think there are a lot a lot of uh, game masters watching right now that are going to copy that that idea right it's a magic item that gets progressively better right and until you take it away from them and and so it's it's not yeah that's uh yeah somebody that you know every time you use a wand of fireballs it actually adds an extra d6 you know oh yeah and they'll go insane when you take it away from them uh i I wanted that but i didn't think they were gonna kill themselves basically (laughs) yeah uh, I won't say I won't say this is the worst magic item I've ever received, but I never had the opportunity to use it. Uh, this was in the campaign where I played uh, that the gnome mage I referenced, or gnome wizard Felix. Uh, I got a homebrewed item that my DM gave me called the Orb of Double Bounce, and the idea of the orb was every, it was a bouncy ball basically, and every time it bounced on the ground, it doubled in weight, and so at a certain point obviously it would become too heavy to bounce but i i was i was like an 86 pound no not even sorry like an 86 year old 40 pound gnome and i always came up with all these like really wacky ideas in my head of how i was going to use the orb of double bounce like i was going to levitate and then bounce it on something and knock it down and i probably had it for like two years and i just pulled up my character sheet it's still there i've never used it (laughs) and it's haunted me to this to this day. So if anyone in chat has any creative ideas for how they would use a bouncy ball that doubles in weight every time it bounces, please feel free to share in chat. Make a dragon eat it. Okay. There you go. Just wait till he flies. Bounce then... it down that esophagus. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> really, really hard so it bounces going both ways. Easy yeah. in, very hard out. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> skipping rocks thing right you skip or skip it at at a creature so yep. you you, know, you when it starts you can throw it but you know by the time it bounces six yeah. times basically I, <laughs> I hadn't thought about the momentum yeah by the time it bounces six times suddenly uh that, that, that thing is going to hit with uh yeah, yeah. Just, whatever it's against. Awesome. F- find a way to like have it bounce uh it or have it like bounce enough times that like it'll uh basically have so much mass that like it has a gravitational pull and eventually <laughs> so much mass that it creates a black hole and just kill everybody <laughs> i'm thinking yeah just go to, go to the top of the highest staircase in the city and just bounce it like a slinky oh <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> at some point though you're gonna break the stairs planet destroyer yeah <laughs> That is one of those like magical items that could very easily destroy the planet. I remember reading something on Reddit one time 
that there was this magical trap that every time you ran up a stair, you would go twice as fast on the next stair and then the next stair and the next stair. And then one of the characters had like expeditious retreat and all this other stuff speeding them up. And the, the DM took out a calculator to figure out how fast he was going at the end. It was like 36 stairs and uh, found out that he had broken the, uh, the the speed of light and caused the big bane. And he started to rewrite the campaign right there on the table <laughs> for a new one. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember the name of this this gimmick, but this it's based on the whole idea of like a round being six seconds and being simultaneous. And it's like if you line up a hundred commoners and you have each of them ready their action to take to like throw a javelin and the next one grabs it and throws it to the next one, it basically creates like it'll it'll they'll throw it at the sound of speed or the, the speed. The common railgun, I think, is yeah. what it's called. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that one. I love that. Yeah, common railgun. That's amazing. All right, we're. Worst item. Uh, it's something like my my character like a uh, request or uh, requested like had commissioned in character. So so uh, he he's the he's the warlock I was talking about earlier. He's kind of like this uh, uh, very uh, flamboyant rich rich kid who's just a big old twit uh and uh, he commissions these boots these thigh high boots that are like something out of like final fantasy or something right and uh and uh you know there's nothing really special about these boots they he just wants to be fashionable and it it takes like and it's told that like he need he needs to wait like two days for it so what do we do during those two days we uh take a little side quest and like clear out some spiders in this dungeon the problem is, these spiders were strong as fuck in the sewer, and, like, we nearly died so many times, and there was, like, this there was, like, this one spider that could, like, uh, move through planes and dimensions, and that was that was the whole thing, and uh, uh basically, we almost got killed for these fuckboy boots, and, uh I, I think that would qualify as a pretty w- worst item. <laughs> the, they're not magical or anything. They're just regular oh, boots. I was going to say, did the fuckboy boots require attunement? Or were those freeballing or what? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> they're just fashionable. Well, there you have it. All right. This is probably my favorite question I've seen in a long time. Tolmac would like to know what is a real life moment that you have rolled a one. I already know my answer for this one, so I'll let you all sit on it for a minute. <laughs> uh, Dude, that's, an endless, that's an endless list. Uh, so I, mean, many I, I I can think of. Wait a second. Yeah, I think I can. I'm not going to use any names for this, but uh, only Hillary will know who I'm talking about. Uh, someone came to our wedding with a new girlfriend of theirs and i was very frazzled that day you know we were getting married and it was like 95 degrees and we were outside and so i was like oh yeah yeah okay hey by the way it was so great to meet you and i called her by the name of his last ex-girlfriend <laughs> who he had been dating for a very long time uh, and their names were not similar at all and i was just like and eh, eh, i'm really sorry about that but i gotta go bye um <laughs> It was oh, it was an absolute natural one charisma check. It was horrible. 
Oh, I mean, my most recent was like last night when I went downstairs at like 4 a.m. to get water and missed that step, oh. and you just go sliding straight down like 18 stairs. That nat one dex check was really what happened last night. Nice. I stood up. I was traveling from New Hampshire to Chicago for a work training. Uh, first time I'd ever been to Chicago was traveling alone. And uh, stood up on the plane as I arrived at O'Hare and threw out my ACL and ended up having to have surgery the following January. Mm. <sighs> totally <Wow>. tore it. <laughs> Rough. Yep. It's about on par for just being in O'Hare, though. Well, yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> <Works>. but. <laughs> Uh, I think mine, I, I was going over, this is for a Pathfinder game, I was going over to a friend's place, uh, this is like a couple, maybe two years ago, and to prep for it, we were making like, uh, he had a, like a big sandwich bar, and then we were doing mixed drinks, somebody had the idea that we were going to do gin and tonics, uh, that would be like the drink of the day slash evening, so we are kind of like doing it for brunch, and... <laughs> Uh, my friend, he had gone to Costco and bought this huge thing of gin. Like, if you go to Costco, you can get, like, the Costco-sized gin and vodkas and stuff <laughs> that are, like, basically, like, a gallon, and they're huge, and they weigh a million a million pounds. Um, like, you know what? I got my sandwich ready. I'm ready to play a game, so let's get a gin and tonic. I'm, I'll make some people some gin and tonics. On the first one, I'm, like, you know, I cut everything up, almost cut a finger while doing the lime. Just like bare, like I graze the fingernail. I'm like, all right, I gotta collect myself. This, I gotta do better. I gotta be careful. I'm then pouring all the stuff. I get this huge bottle of gin, and I'm trying to like pour it into the glass. And as I do it, something slips, and my hand goes forward. I knock the glass, and somehow or another, I manage to get covered in gin. I manage to catch the big one. I like put it down, and then as I'm trying to fix everything else, I knock the bottle of gin again. Uh, almost causing it to tip over, like spills out more gin all over me. So now I'm just sitting there. Everybody's just watching me. <laughs> I did not. I didn't break the big thing of gin, which was good. I would have been so embarrassed. That dude's place would have never smelled right ever again. <laughs> but um, I'm just like coated in gin. Like my shirt is just covered. I'm like look like I just took like a jump into a pool. I smell boozy, and I don't even have a usable drink at the end of it. So I just, as everybody's staring at me, I just kind of turn around. I'm like, you know what? Maybe somebody else could do drinks. I'm going to sit over here for a little bit. That was one of those where it was like a nat one, and then you get like an 18, and then it's back to a nat one. Yes. That was your succession. <laughs> So embarrassing. Yeah. So when embarrassing. the dice rolls and you think it's you're like, oh, oh, no, it's a one. Yeah. <laughs> Spins for a little while. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um, probably, you know, the drinking story reminds me of this one, right? Uh, it's got to be three or four years ago now. Um, you know, one New Year's Eve, right? We, we had a bunch of people over and like we're big, big into wine. We own part of a winery and that kind of stuff. And so we had a bunch of wine open, like tons of stuff open, right? But one, but Darren, my co-founder, what brings this bottle of uh, you know George T. Stag Bourbon? We're from Kentucky, right? So bourbon's a big thing, right? And, and that kind of stuff. He brings this thing, and I, you know, deep into the evening, we've been drinking for a while or whatever else. He decides we got to get this bottle of bourbon open, right? And so we open this bottle of bourbon, and like I'm the dumbass that decides to do more than one shot because everybody that I want to see do a shot insists that I do one with them, right? This stuff is 140 proof, so even as like high as my tolerance is by the end of the night I was just dead that's like the nat one intelligence check of the, of the evening you've been drinking too much like you you know 
probably the the, the worst I've ever been. <laughs> like, you know, dexterity check. Okay, everybody does that. And that one's on intelligence. That's something you just like. That's a life moment. <laughs> oh man. So this is a learning moment. I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned something. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so not not one intelligence check. So like, uh, I'm I will. I'm going to school one day and like there's a shortcut through this person's backyard and the problem isn't that uh the person cares like the uh they don't mind people using their backyard to take a shortcut to school uh the problem is that it uh rained recently and uh the ground was like super icy and, and like I'm standing there going should I go around or should I just cut through and I'm like making a calculated choice and I suck at math apparently because <laughs> I decided to cut through the because I decided to cut through the ice field and uh you know I slip uh on my ass uh hit hit my head uh the attempt at getting up is just me slipping and sliding and it's just like this was a terrible decision why did I decide it like the nat one wasn't even in like the slipping and falling. It was just in the decision making. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, right. I was still late to school. So. That was a great. Yeah. Good. Good question. Good question. That Patrick. was a good question. He was very pleased by our answers. So you know. <laughs> yes, uh, he was sitting on his throne. Just. I know. <laughs> I think he was waiting to find something that he could illustrate next. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we are about at that time where we need to start wrapping up, which is very unfortunate, but I feel like this hour went super fast. Um, we did have one question uh, that we did not get to tonight. So what I will do is post that on Twitter tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I will... I will post that from the shared experience Twitter account so that you all can answer it if you would like to, and anybody else can chime in as well. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to just uh, have everybody go around again and remind us of who you are and where we can find you on the interwebs and, um, and all that good stuff. So Anna, we're going to start with you and go the other direction this time. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Anna, also known as Sanctum Cosplays. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Sanctum Cosplays. You can find me on Instagram, that's where you'll see all my cosplay stuff. Right now it's more focused on special effects makeup, because I don't currently have any cosplays in the works, because I'm waiting for the world to open back up before I spend $500 on a piece of clothing that I wear outside sometimes. Uh, other than that, you can catch me sometimes on Nerd League Gaming, uh, I do some TTRPG stuff over there, as well as on Dice Tyrants. They're kind of switching some things over. They got some new shows coming up. Uh, super exciting. So I'll be popping in and out of there. Other than that, I'm currently in between games. So I don't have a regular game or podcast. Hint, hint, if you guys need guest stars anywhere on games or podcasts, hit me up. Uh, but yeah, other than that, that's where you can kind of catch me. You can catch me on all the backlogs and see that character that I was crying about uh, in their YouTubes. Because that was... Sob. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Anna, thanks so much. I'm glad we finally worked this out so that we can yeah. be all together. And, um, you know, I will definitely reach out again in the future about having you back on at some point. So Definitely. This yes. is fun. Yeah. Uh, Nick, let's go to you next. Hey, 
so yeah, my name is Nick. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter on Nick Plays DND. Um, I play Relic on Know Your Role. Uh, you can find 30 episodes of that available on our, our Twitter, uh, which is in chat. And I, I realized I, I meant to give um, two other quick shout outs. Uh, the the, the Twitch channel that I'm planning on launching, uh, even though I don't have all the details sorted out, the very first game I am going to run will be with three friends of mine from the Tightgeist podcast. Um, anyone who's familiar with Know Your Role, we had a guest star uh, named Samaj who played a fun character named Confession. Uh, he's part of that podcast. So there, um, we're going to start off with them. Uh, and I'm very excited to share some more details about that when I can. Uh, the other thing is I have been working with a couple of other really great creators in the community on an upcoming uh, supplement on DMs Guild called Disaster Hamsters. Uh, <gasps> Luna Luna is uh, was able to playtest that. I made the maps for it. I love um, it. You did a great job. And- Thank you. Uh, and I'm really excited for once we've worked out some of the kinks from playtesting uh, to see that go, go out in the world. I think it will be early to mid-March um, when that should be out in the world. But uh, yeah. So thank you again, Luna, for having me on. Yes. Well, thank you for uh, coming to hang out. And um, yeah, if you if you get the chance, look up Disaster Hamsters. It was super fun. Um, you play as adorable little hamsters. True story. And um, looking it up now, hamster. <laughs> if, you, if you weren't convinced to play it by the cover art alone, like I mean, it's yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely great to play test it, and um, I I am excited for it to release. Um, one of the things that was very fun about it was when we played it. You can play it as a standalone, but one of the things that we were told. Uh, Samuel DM'd it from Plot Hook's uh, podcast, and he was like, also, you could drop this into a currently running campaign, and just, your characters wake up as hamsters one day. And uh, we all went, oh my god, that's brilliant. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, and let's see, next Were we're... you in the group that caught the cage on fire, Luna? No. No, we did okay. not do that. <laughs> I was in the very, very, very first playtest group, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, we'll go to you next. Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, at Ryan underscore M-O-S-S-B, or uh, I spend a lot of my time at the, on the at Dice Populi Twitter handle. Uh, Dice Populi, the podcast that I'm a cast member of, we are rotating dungeon masters, so each arc uh, one of our number uh, takes the DM seat and the rest of us play through. So you can kind of experience a lot of different different uh, GMing styles and everybody kind of gets a chance to kind of steer the ship. And then, of course, it kind of like wiggles and waggles, hopefully towards a meaningful conclusion. Uh, we Our Discord kind of officially launched like a couple months ago. It's been booming and it's been really fun. We also just launched a Patreon like last month. It's been going really well as well. Uh, but yeah, just reach out. Um, I also, just on a personal note, uh, just like uh, Ben over at uh, Lawful Great, uh, I love to be guests on podcasts and streams. If you need uh, somebody to join up and you like to bring a really dumb character that's going to do stupid stuff, let me know. I, I, I'll fill that hole. Like I, I, <laughs> I love doing that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, and, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and Ryan is a lot of fun to play with. I will vouch for that. So... Yes. Um, and next we'll go over to Hal. 
All right. Well, I'm Hal. I'm uh, uh, one of the co-founders of a thing called Shard Tabletop, and we uh, have a beta currently live and a Kickstarter going right now. So uh, we appreciate your support uh, over there. But you can play the play the uh, with the tool for free. Uh, Nick is our moderator, and what he would, was didn't say during his own part is he actually has an upcoming adventure launch, launching on our platform as well. So March is going to be a busy month for him because he has you know, uh, a, a nice adventure that he's been working his butt off on uh, to get done and uh, it looks really good. Uh, so I'm, I can't wait to play it. And, uh, and that will, uh, that will actually happen in March as well. And maybe, you know, he'll convince this crew to come play test it with him. You know, you never know. We hey. all like play a game together. You know? I might be up for that. Can screen and uh, we'll all play, uh, play, uh, play test his adventure. I so, would be happy um, to help. Yeah, super I'm, down for that. Super down. Yeah, so one of the things we're really happy about is that we are parent partnering with a lot of, of uh, you know, smaller creators or people that are first-time creators and that kind of stuff. Because while, you know, we love the partnerships with Cobalt Press and Peterson Games and the folks that have been in the industry a while and that sort of stuff, the reality is, for me, it's really about giving uh, new creators a chance and a platform to launch their stuff where they actually own their own intellectual property. Unlike some other platforms you can publish on, you actually you actually do own your own stuff when you when you publish it on Shard, and you're free to publish it on any other platform that allows you to keep those rights. So that's uh, we, we we're uh, we're totally up for for helping people get started. You'll notice that a lot of the stretch goals in our campaigns are from you know small and independent creators that are that are getting paid to, to provide those things as stretch goals. Uh, for our campaign, so they're they're all uh, all getting you know a healthy healthy chunk of change to come out and support them as well as us, and uh, and we really really appreciate everybody's uh, time and attention. So thanks. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on and hanging out with us tonight, and uh, best of luck with your Kickstarter. It yeah, seems like it's been going fun. really well so far. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, like most, the first couple of days were gangbusters, and now we're just, you know, we're we're trying to figure out what the what the next step is yeah. to get a, get that chunk of audience in. So excellent, all good. And uh, last but des- definitely not least, we have Chowder. Uh, hi, I'm Donald Chowdery or Chowder, whichever you prefer. Uh, you can uh, check out uh, Dice Populi, much like Ryan. Uh, I'm part of that. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Timel Chaudhary. I'm also part of a podcast called The Common Geeking Program. Uh, and uh, you can uh, find us at commongeekingprogram.com or at our Twitter at Geeking Program. And, you know, check us out because we have a final episode of Final Fantasy VII Remake coming out in on the 19th of February. So, yeah. Nice. Is it bad that every time you say Common Geeking Program, I want to sing the little jingle at the end of the, the podcast? Common <laughs> Geeking Com Program. Geeking program. <laughs> Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, <laughs> I am Gaber Bob Luna. This is Shared Experience. We have two shows currently streaming. We have Tales from the Tavern every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, which is our nerdy roundtable discussion where we have guests from all over the TTRPG space come and hang out and answer your questions. And then on Wednesday nights, we have our Pathfinder First Edition campaign, which is Fifty Shades of Crimson. That is a uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne um, adventure path, and uh, we are soon to be adding a Star Wars uh, Fantasy Flight game to our roundup as well. That should be starting, we're hoping January, art got a little delayed, so we're hoping uh, mid-February 
at the latest uh, we shall see um, so keep an eye out on our Twitter for more information about that as that comes and um, we are going to go raid some good friends of the channel we're going to go say hi to our friends Beard and Bride they're uh, doing a nice chill stream with some Stardew Valley tonight and um, they are actually Josh is wearing a shared experience hoodie right now so so nice. uh, so we're gonna go drop a line and say hello to them um, but thank you all to our guests and thank you all to chat for your great questions and uh, we will see you all next week yeah thank you thank you Luna thanks everybody a lot of fun we hope you enjoyed the conversation from this week's tales from the tavern if you'd like to catch the video for this conversation or any of our actual play campaigns, learn more about our cast members, or find out about interacting with the staff and cast of Shared Experience Productions, please visit us on Twitter at Shared Experience RPG. That's Shared EXP RPG. Yay!